Welcome this morning to Northside Dubbin Hill. 
good to see all of you guys here. If you are visiting with us, uh, we would like to welcome you. Um, if you have your bulletins, there's some announcements in the bulletins, and there's also a place on the side to tear off uh, if you want to make reservations for Wednesday night dinner, or if you have prayer requests, or if you're visiting, we would love to just have a record of your visit if you would just put that in the offering plate when the, when the guys come around. Um, we do have one announcement. Next week is a special day for us. It's our 25th anniversary. We're going to celebrate God's faithfulness. Just like the song we just sang said, uh, he won't let us go, and I'm thankful for that. So Robin McMichael was going to tell us, she's going to tell us a little bit about next week.
bring your food in something that will keep it either appropriately hot or cold. We have, we will have the whole kitchen completely packed with drinks in the fridge and turkey and dressing in the oven. There is no room in the kitchen for anything. Um, so whatever you bring, bring it in something that will keep it appropriately hot or cold, okay? Uh, make sure you do that. Label everything. It gets crazy back there those last few minutes when we uh, get food out. Label every single solitary. Pretend like you're going to the nursery again with your baby and put all your names on all your different stuff to make sure that you can find it because a lot of stuff can get lost. Um, as far as utensils, if at all possible, bring your spoon, whatever you need to serve it with. Obviously, if you don't, uh, we, we do have utensils. Please, y'all, this is... There are certain things that drive me crazy. When adults come up to me and say, Robin, my, my, my dish needs a spoon. You don't want to know what I'm thinking when you tell me that, okay? If you need a spoon, please go in the kitchen and get it yourself. When it's over, <laughs> you laugh. It's not funny when you've heard it 30 times. Please, when you're through, put it back in the kitchen in the sink so we can wash it or wash it yourself great idea here people okay so make sure you take care of your own utensils if there is something that your dish needs to have done at the very end if it needs to be stirred if it needs to have cheese on it if you need to put something together there is one person that needs to take care of that and that's you okay we have got pans and pans of turkey and dressing and this and this and this and you need to be responsible for that next week okay so I get barraged when I walk in the door of Robin, can you do this? Robin, can you do this? Robin, can you do this? I love you, but the answer is you need to take care of that yourself. Okay, folks, I'm not trying to be mean and petty. I'm just saying I go home very cranky otherwise, so we don't want to do that. Be nice for Dennis, okay, that he doesn't have to put up with things. Okay, yeah, save Dennis. This is your job next week is to save Dennis. Okay, last few things. Next week when you bring your food, I will have the tables in the fellowship hall set up. Uh, with, with uh, signs for it. You can put your dish down there, get your spoon, make sure everything's there. You literally, only thing you really need to do is say, hey, Robin, and walk out the door. I would love you if you do that for me, okay? Uh, uh, during the meal, parents, make sure that you have your kids with you. I have seen too many kids go in and get 20 peanut butter balls and walk out the door with them. That is not cool. There's a lot of other people going to be angry because of that, okay? Please make sure you have your uh, parents, make sure your kid's with you. Kids, make sure you're with your parent next week because otherwise Miss Robin is going to be cranky and send you back with your mama and daddy, okay? Not cool, so we don't want that happen to happen. Uh, when things are over, please make sure and go ahead and get your dish and whatever else is yours uh, and get it out of the fellowship hall so that we can clean up. We've still got church next Sunday night, and we've got to clean up and get things going, and I need to go home and put my feet up before so make sure that you go ahead and get your stuff and clean that up and spend a few minutes helping us clean up so that we can all go home and get some rest and we're ready for next Sunday night. So again, I will be out in the foyer after for are my dressing people and my gravy people. And if you want to be uh, one of my dessert people, that's fine. If you've got any questions, again, find me in the back uh, afterwards and I will answer whatever questions. And if you want to volunteer, yes, you may definitely help volunteer for next week. Thank you all very much. <laughs> Now that we're all hungry, 
um, let's get up and greet each other with a holy handshake or hug. Together, worthy, all together. 
opportunity to come and worship you. You've given so much, we've given so little. We ask for your forgiveness and where we've failed you, Lord. And at this point in the service, Lord, we're giving back a little of what you've given so much to us, Lord. And we just pray that our hearts are sincere and our giving to you, Lord, and be pleased with all. We ask that you be with us in all that we do, Lord. in front to be fine. I'm going to need a volunteer in a minute. In a minute. Not yet. Okay. 
Anybody tell me what this is that I have in my hands? What is it? Mousetrap. That's right. I'm going to put the mic down for a second. I'm sorry I can't do this and hold the mic at the same time.
Jesus is now. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Now I love thee in life, I will love thee in death, and praise thee as long as thou lendest me breath, and say when the death do lies cold on my brow, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll never adore thee in heaven so bright, and singing thy praises before thee I'll bow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis You will please have a seat. Thank you, everyone who shared in music and song with us and mousetraps. I walked a while with pleasure, she chattered all the way, and I was none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a while with sorrow, and not a word said she, but oh the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. If you're a guest today, this particular sermon may be a little confusing, not because it's wholly unbiblical or anything, but I have to just address a few things that have uh, taken place in the life of our church and in, in, in my heart over the last few weeks. I will say without a doubt, this past October, it's been the most bizarre or unusual pastor appreciation month that I've ever experienced. But for all of those who have reached out, really over the, over the last month, um, with cards or letters or words of appreciation, I do want to take the opportunity to say thank you. Um, I try to do that every, every year and say thank you for expressing those concerns, and so I, I do, want to, do want to say that right up front. Before I can really address what the Lord is doing in my heart, I feel like I have to go back and go back and look at where I've been and, and where the where the Lord has, has brought me. And so if you will 
humor me for a few moments, I want to expand a little bit on the timeline of the last month or so. On October 3rd, which was a Wednesday, um, Wednesday after, after prayer meeting, we some of the, the men come up here every Wednesday morning at 9.30 and we have a time of prayer. After that, after that prayer meeting, two of uh, our pastor search committee members sat down with me in my office and uh, shared with me that the committee was not ready to present me as candidate for pastor here at Northside, that they were looking somewhere else. Uh, and I have to be honest with you, that was a that was a hard blow for me. Uh, I was devastated. Went home and didn't, well, yeah, decided I'd take off work for a few hours. Went, went home. And the following weekend, as it so happened, uh, my family and I had already planned to be out of town for the weekend. And uh, that seemed to be very good timing. The Lord knew that I needed that. So we were out of town, and then the following Tuesday night, I met with the pastor search committee and just asked them some questions about how, what led to their decision, uh, you know, what, what were some things perhaps I could work on. Uh, the answer that I received was that I lacked the experience that they were looking for in pastoral leadership and that there were some within the congregation who had expressed some, some similar concerns. But at some time later, they would share some of those concerns with me. And then that we would need to move forward with discussing with the, the other leadership of the church, the deacon officers and elders, about how we would present this idea to the, to the church that the committee, or this decision that the committee had, that uh, I would not be called to be senior pastor at Northside. That was a Tuesday night. Two nights later, Thursday night, October 11th, we, we had that meeting. And in that meeting, there was a lot of discussion. But at the end of that meeting, there was a decision that was laid upon the table that the committee would go, would, would go forward and present me as a candidate to be voted on, or I could recuse myself from being uh, considered uh, as, as a candidate. I went home from that meeting as, as, as well, and Lindsay was waiting for me on the couch. And I told her, I said, uh, well, this seems odd because it seems like this is what we've been praying for for months. I said, but there just doesn't seem to be any joy in it for me. I, it, 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 it seems void and robbed of joy. And I think this is where the Lord's been leading us. Well, the next couple of weeks, we continued to pursue that idea that the committee would present me as a candidate, and so I had conversations with the committee on, on my behalf to talk to the uh, personnel team, because that's what you do, and you begin to put together a salary package. And so on October 21st, that was a Sunday, there was an announcement made at the end of the, end of the service uh, that, that I would be considered for, for the role of pastor, following Sunday there would be a business meeting. The following Saturday there was a meet and greet time in which at first, just honest with you, I thought 
I'm not really sure why we need a meet and greet time. The people know me, but I said, however, uh, it'll give the opportunity for folks to come and ask me questions. And I, in my mind, was thinking questions along the line of, uh, why do you want to be senior pastor? And that was a question that was asked. What's your vision? What kind of, what do you see? Where do you see our church going in the, in, in the future? I had anticipated questions like that, and I was asked a few questions like that. Uh, that's, that's what I was thinking was, would take place. Um, and so I agreed, let's do the meet and greet time. And then the following Sunday morning, uh, you all probably uh, can, most of you can, can know what took place there. We had the sermon, had the business meeting, and a vote. And after I heard the results of the vote, it felt like another gut punch uh, to me. And I share these things with you, not for your pity or sorrow. I just want to be transparent with who I am and, and what's taking place in, in my life. Frederick Beekner is a, a favorite author of mine. And he tells a story, tells a story of this, of this old preacher from South Carolina who, uh, his, his name is Beb, Brother Beb. Brother Beb goes up to, and I forget exactly uh, what university it is, but in this story, in this novel, he goes up to a university and after giving a lecture, he goes and he's talking to a history professor. And the history professor outlines just so many reasons why there's no God. Because he points to all the evil things in the world, and he's looking at it from a standpoint of history, and he just outlines all of the various things that uh, would say, hey, all these evils, all these evils in the world, there's, there's no God. So the preacher from South Carolina, he just says, he says, you're talking about pain and sorrow and heartache. He says, what you're really talking about is manure, manure. And when it comes to pain and sorrow and heartache, there's probably a lot of you who have thought some of the same things. This is like manure. But the preacher goes on to say, and me being from South Georgia, I can wholly testify. There's two main things about it, manure. One thing is it's stink and corruption and waste. And the other thing is if you don't pile it up too thick in any one place, it makes the seeds grow. It makes the seeds grow. I've shared that with different people over the years. I've shared that uh, at funerals or, or, or different things. and It's something I have to remember for myself. I had a, a guy tell me a long time ago that Preachers, uh, some of the hardest days we have is when we have to stop and preach to ourselves. But that's where I was last Sunday. I need to let you know what's happened since then. <clears throat> Sunday afternoon, Mark contacted me and asked if it would be okay if uh, he led the discipleship time that Sunday night. I said, you have no idea how okay that would be. Um, First of all, I hadn't even read the chapter in the book we're supposed to be studying. Again, in full disclosure to you. And then, 
Lindsay and I brought the kids to Awana because they wanted to go to Awana. And uh, we played hooky. And uh, I hope you'll forgive me for that. Uh, Lindsay and I took off that night after dropping our kids off. I don't plan to do that again. But uh, we stepped away. <clears throat> and after, uh, after Sunday night, we came back to, to, to pick, up the, pick up the kids. And uh, I had somebody look at me and say, have you read that chapter in the book? I said, no, I, I hadn't read it yet. I'm sorry. So I'm glad somebody else was teaching tonight. I said, well, you need to go home and read it. I said, well, I, I plan to read it. I mean, I'm, 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 just give me a minute. I'm going to get back on, on the cycle here. I'll, I'll get back into it. No, you really need to go home and read it. I'm telling you, you need to go read it because it speaks directly to where we are, I believe. So I went home and I did not read it. <clears throat> Monday morning rolled around and I laid in bed and the alarm went off. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't. Really, I didn't want to come to church. I didn't want to come to work. I'd never really felt like that before. And I was laying in bed and I remember... I remember something that uh, Dr. Bob shared one time with somebody. He said, you're just having a pity party. You need to get over yourself. <laughs> Does that sound like something he would say? I... So I got up and said, I got to quit this. And I came on into work that day, came into work on Monday, and I probably need to give you all some money back for the day I spent up here and didn't do anything. I was not having a pity party in bed, but I had a pretty pity party pretty much that whole day. But I did read the chapter in the book that we talked about. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that was not on Monday. Still, I was still having a pity party on Monday. didn't do much of anything. Monday night, Lindsay went to work at... Uh, you know, she, has, she, has, she works night shifts. She went to work. After the kids went to bed, I went outside, and I started a little fire. And I told people, I said, I didn't, even, I, I, I didn't even take my Bible with me because I didn't want BJ just opening up to a passage to read to make myself feel good. I just said, Lord, speak to me. What's going on? Where are you? What's going on? What are you trying to teach me? And he began to work in my heart that night. He began to work in my heart to teach me. So I felt a little bit better when I, when I went to bed, even though I'd been broken. I had been in the presence of my father. Well, the next morning, kids off of school, I came on into work, and if you'll humor me, I want to read a little bit. This is... This is chapter 6 of the uh, book that was in question on uh, Sunday night that we've been going through on Sunday night. Just a little portion here. It says this. We have to see that all the things we have encountered during the past 5 or 10 years have all been under God's ordering and are for our education. If we murmur against any person, we are indeed ignorant of God's hand. If we think that it was bouts of bad luck, we have no idea that uh, we have no idea what the discipline of the Holy Spirit is. We have to remember that all the things that come upon us are measured by God's hand. All these are for our good. 
We may not we may not know to choose them, but God knows that they are for our good. I'm not sure what misery we would have fallen into had it not been for such discipline from God. Such arrangements keep us pure. They preserve us in God's pathway. They are the best for us. God can give us nothing better. Many people cannot submit themselves. They murmur with their mouth and resent in their heart. This is indeed foolish. We have to remember that everything is measured to us by the Holy Spirit and is the best that it can be. And I felt the Lord teaching me in that moment, saying, this wasn't to beat you up just because I felt like I needed to beat you up. This is to teach you, to discipline you, to get your attention. And uh, about 10 o'clock in the, in the morning, our chairman of deacons, Steve Holloway, came, and we talked through some things, and I shared with him how the Lord had been dealing in my heart and what he'd been teaching me. And later that afternoon, I sent out an email to the, to the church. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to read it, but I, I would encourage you to. Uh, just that the Lord was teaching me and working in my heart. And I asked, uh, I asked you all to ask that same question. What are you teaching me, God? What, am I, what can I learn from this? And to stop looking around and, and looking and seeing what's wrong with everybody else, but to say, what, what, needs, what needs to work in my life, Lord? And then to reach out to brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, if indeed God moves you in that direction. And so that's where I was. And then that afternoon, if the Lord had dealt with me gently on Monday night and Monday morning, as I was driving to football practice to uh, be with my oldest son, Micah, if, if he had been gentle with me before, uh, there was a two-by-four that came upside my head that day as I'm driving down the road in, in my truck, and uh, thankfully I, I stayed in my lane, but it was just this. I felt the Lord asking me this question. Do you think I care at all about your title? Do you really think I care about your position or your title? I just care about your heart. I just care about your heart. And are you going to follow me? Are you going to do what I've called you to do? And so I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> that hurt. But no, I don't guess you do care. And I probably care too much. And so I have begun to have some conversations with folks that I needed to reconcile with. It's a process. It takes time. It takes a little bit of time. But I've reached out and I've had some meetings and some conversations this week with people who I needed to talk to here in the church. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. See, we have a unity in the Spirit because we are unified as one body, as one Lord. We are to walk worthy of the calling we've received, and that is to follow Jesus Christ. And so to walk worthy of that calling means that we eliminate things that are unworthy of that calling, 
and we pursue the things that are worthy of that calling, regardless of how difficult they may be for us. As you can continue on in that same passage, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, and he personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints and the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. I have told people before, I believe this is my job description because I know that God has called me to lead in the church. And my job description is that I train the saints for the work of ministry. That's what God has called me to do. And so how well I do that or how, or how bad I do that determines how, how well I fulfill that, that calling and how well I measure up to, to God's uh, calling on my life. And so again, God says, do you think I care about your title? Just do your job. Just do your job. Galatians chapter 5. Let me find it here. Galatians chapter 5, 16. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. Those are opposed to each other, so that you don't, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's easy to pick out one or two from that list that don't apply to our own lives and think that that's what Paul is talking about, but that's not what Paul is talking about. It's everything in that list, and then he concludes the list with, and anything similar. These are the fruit of the flesh. And we have, to, we have to sacrifice those. We have to crucify the fruit of the flesh and, 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 and crucify the flesh. But then he goes on and says in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So I had to come to another crisis point. Okay, Lord, this is what you're calling. This is how you're leading me. Either I believe what the Bible says or I don't. Either I'm going to pursue you or I'm not. Either I'm going to follow where you're leading and guiding me or I'm not. This is what you're calling me to do, then I have to move forward. Matthew chapter 5, 23 and 24. So if you are offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Colossians 3.13 We are to accept one another and forgive one another if anyone has a complaint against another 
just as the Lord has forgiven us, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. We reach out with a hand of repentance and forgiveness toward each other. But I believe that ultimately that only comes, that we can only do that once we've been reconciled with God first. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 says, From now on then, we do not know anyone in a purely human way. Even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet we are no longer yet we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Everything is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. If we've been reconciled with God, if our trespasses have been crucified on the cross and been forgiven, verse 20 goes on, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is what happens whenever we extend forgiveness. As Jesus is on the cross, he absorbs the wrath that was due us because of our sin. And and as he takes that in, he gives us his righteousness. Whenever we extend forgiveness to someone, whenever we extend forgiveness to someone, we are absorbing whatever wrath might be between the two of us and saying, it's okay, I take it, because forgiveness and restoration of this relationship is more important to me. As we seek to forgive each other, as we seek to uh, repent toward each other and reconciliation, these are verses that have been playing in my mind all week. And listen, Satan hates a unified church because it's a threat. It's a threat to him. He knows he's already lost. He's just trying to see see how much damage he can do in the process. And he will attack a threat. I told you several months ago as we were beginning in the book of Acts that there was persecution at the early church. It's It's an evil from outside. There was corruption. That's evil from within. But there's also distraction, a subtle shift of focus or purpose. And church, we must refocus on what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ and what it means to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now looking back, looking back over the last several months, I've had to ask God a lot, what are you teaching me? And especially this past week, Lord, what are you teaching me? What's going on? What can I learn from this? Are there constitutional issues within our church? Perhaps. Are there holes in our ministry where, where, where people may may slip through the cracks? Well, I believe so. Are there procedural issues? Is there education that needs to happen on, on protocol? How do we handle transitions in ministry? Well, sure there are. But listen, all of those things, that's a distraction. All of those things are secondary. All of those things are secondary, at least for me, because primary to me was to reach out, to reach out to those who, because of my part or, or because of the part of the church, and if I'm leading the church, it comes back to me, reach out to those who feel disenfranchised or alienated, ostracized, forgotten, 
neglected or unwelcome. I don't want to put a word on anyone. These are just words that have come to my mind. And so I need to seek those out and seek restoration and reconciliation. That's what I need to do. I know of some. I know of a couple. I, I, I know of just, just, just a few. Perhaps there are others that I don't know about. But listen. take responsibility for that and I'm sorry if I didn't reach out to you in your time of need and I sincerely apologize and just ask that you forgive me I believe that the Lord is drug me through the ringer this week or the last few weeks to show me all of this both in my personal life and in the life of the church and while it hurt can I tell you I now have peace everything's not right I'm not going to say that but I have peace because well, it's just the Lord's presence. I can't explain it any other way. And I know this. The Lord disciplines those whom he loves. Thank you, Lord, for your discipline. And not leaving me to my old sorry self. By the way, did you know this morning before church deacons and elders got together and prayed before the church service. I was telling a pastor that, a, a pastor friend of mine about that, and he's kind of walking with me through, through all of this that's taking place, and I told him that the deacons and elders are going to get together before Sunday morning and pray, and he just kind of grinned and said, ha, take that one, Satan. <laughs> so what are we going to do? What are we going to do? First of all, we're going to pray. Not the normal invitation time today, okay? We're going to pray. All over the place, we're going to pray. It may, need to, it may be that you just need to seek reconciliation with the Lord. Something's not right in your heart between you and God. Can I, can I tell you, he, he loves you and he's humble enough to, to get it right. And you can go to him. It may be but after you've prayed a little bit, it may be that there's somebody in this room that you need to go across the room, put feet to your prayers literally, and seek restoration of a relationship. And reconciliation is a two-way street. It always is. When I have parents and teenagers come to my office and we talk about things, there's always two, two ways there. I have done marriage counseling. It's always, it's always two ways there. It's a two-way street, like the old country song. You start walking my way, and I start walking yours. But know this. Pray for your heart to be receptive. Pray for your heart to be receptive to the Lord and to your brother or sister. And I would encourage you as you pray. And if, and if someone talks to you, and it doesn't have to happen right here, right now. It can, it can take place at whatever time, but don't react. 
simply receive, process, and then respond. Don't react. I've been guilty of that. And allow one person, if you go to someone seeking reconciliation, allow that person to process what you're sharing with them. I can go to somebody and seek to be reconciled to them, but I cannot force that to happen. At that point, I have to trust that the Lord will work in their heart as he's working in my heart. And I have to allow for that to happen. And some people were wired to quickly forgive and move, and some people it takes a little while. That's okay. I'm glad we're not all the same. We're all wired a little differently, and the Lord works differently on our hearts. Allow the Lord to work. I told you it was a little different sermon today. I wanted to share with you a little bit about my heart and my journey over the last few months. I hope I hadn't said anything in here that's offensive to anybody. If, if I did, I, again, I apologize about that. I wanted to share and be open and honest with you. right now we're going to have a time of prayer we need to pray we need to pray and I'm content to stay here as long as it takes we're going to pray we've got some music that's playing if you need to talk to somebody go to them let's pray Father, uh, I come to you today in all humility, just thankful for who you are, your discipline. I don't know if anybody ever prays for discipline, but we pray to be more like Jesus. I don't know that we pray for humility, but we pray for grace, and the Bible tells us that the humble receive grace. Father, we pray for revival, but to be revived, we first have to recognize that we're dead. Lord, when we come to you, when we come to you, just like Isaiah came to you and fell down before you, I got nothing to offer. Lord, we, we see transformation take place. We see a restoration. We see life whether it's for the very first time and we see salvation, eternal life given, or whether we've been a Christian for a long time and you're still working on us and we're still here because you're still working in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you move among your people today, that the Holy Spirit moves and guides and leads. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin where I failed you and your church and people. Teach me. So at the end of the day, I do believe we want to be like Jesus. Mold our hearts, our attitudes, our minds to be that of Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. We're going to have a time of prayer. You can stay there in your chair. You can come up to the altar. Let us ask that you would just pray.
people come to you and Father just thank you for loving us in spite of us this is how we know the love of God that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us we don't have to clean ourselves up to come to you we come to you right as right as we are and you love us even then Lord uh, I told the church and I believe it with all sincerity that the best days of Northside lie ahead of us sometimes uh, we go through the fire to uh, purify the, the gold and you've told us that you'll that you will purify your bride Lord I cannot I cannot speak for everybody who's here I can only speak for myself uh, Lord but I, I feel like I know the heart of the church and that people all all over the room just want to do your will I've heard it from the, the deacons who prayed and I've had conversations that we want to do what you want us to do Lord I as difficult as, as some of the steps to reconciliation may be Lord I look forward to the day of uh, just continuing to make an impact on the north end of Coweta County that Lord that, Lord, that, that Northside would be a vessel for you to use to reach to reach this community and people will not be able to look back and say there was a church that lasted for 25 years and that's it but Lord there was a, a church there that went through some difficult times but well apparently God's bigger than all of that because here they are growing and thriving and impacting the community and people are coming to know Jesus people are getting saved and their, their eternities are transformed Lord I just want to be a vessel used by you may our church be a vessel may we reach this community for Christ strengthen our hearts let us go now and all the wisdom of Jesus and the power of the spirit pray these things in Jesus name amen now thank you for Thank you for coming today. Thank you for being here. I'm glad you were here. Um, we've got our regular activities tonight, Wednesday. Be sure you sign up for Wednesday night suppers. Um, today is the last day to bring in your Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. You can bring those in tonight if you haven't, if you didn't get them in yet. Uh, bring those in tonight. Um, never forget to pray for your church. And never forget to, or, or never stop asking the question, Lord, where are you leading me? What are you teaching me? Um, I'm going to ask Daniel to come up and close us out in a, in a word of prayer, and then we will be dismissed. Another beautiful Sunday you've given us to come here and worship you, Lord. Every day is a beautiful day with you. Lord, let us always remember to continue seeking you first. 
through everything that we do. But be with each and every one of us as we go through the rest of this day and the rest of this week. Keep us all safe and under your grace and mercy. In your precious 